0: Welcome to the Sales and Presentation Podcast. This is the podcast for businesses and individuals who want to transform their sales activity, deliver awesome presentations, and win more sales pitches. And now, here is your host, Trevor Lee.
1: So when was the last time you looked at your website and looked at the customer journey? And thought about and looked at how accessible your website is as well? Well, on today's show, ladies and gentlemen, I've got Mark Pickin from MPAD. And Mark is an expert in this customer journey. He's an expert in improving accessibility. He works with some big, large organisations, some environmental organisations, some charities, some local sector or public sector organisations. Mark has been you know, running his own company for over 20 years now. So he's an absolute expert. So it's a delight to have him on the show. You're going to really enjoy the show. But not only that, you're going to get some really great advice about how you can improve your customer's journey because if you don't get the customer journey right the customer will go somewhere where the customer journey is right so mark's here with some lots of top tips let's welcome him to the show okay so on today's show i've got with me mark Pickin from mpad mark welcome to the show hello trevor perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company
2: yeah, certainly. Well, um, this year I guess was quite a monumental year for us. We celebrated our twentieth anniversary. Did um, you really? Um, yeah. Wow! So I started the business when I was twenty-four. Gosh, um, when I had hair, and um, <laughs> I basically I would I'd a bit of background. Then I was I studied at Farmer College of Arts. I studied advertising and, and trained as a copywriter and. Um, I wanted to stay in Cornwall you know a lot of my friends with their portfolios they went around the ad agencies in London and slept on people's floors looking to get a break and at that time it didn't really appeal to me so I thought I'd see what opportunities there were in Cornwall and it was it was obviously a very different landscape back then in 1996 when I graduated Um Obviously, so many opportunities now through organisations like Unlocking Potential and what's that created for for graduates coming out of the universities and college now. And I worked um, with a graphic designer for a little bit and I worked at a film and video charity for a little bit. And I don't know why, but I guess at the age of 24, I thought, I'll start my own business. This is going to be a really easy thing to do. (laughs) Completely naive. (laughs) Good for you. Um, And I went and did... um, short business course at what was the West Cornwall Enterprise Trust and developed a business plan and went to the Princess Trust, managed to get a small loan and a small grant that kind of paid for a computer and had a tiny, tiny broom cupboard size office based in Penryn and kind of started the business. Wow. Um, And that was it. And it was... I think it was pure naivety. I just thought, oh, this will be fine. This will be easy. And 20 years later, I'm still doing it. Well, that's great
1: testimony to your business acumen if you're here 20 <laughs> years later, because as you know, the uh, you know startup businesses don't always make it to the first year, let alone 20 years. So
2: that's I think, fantastic. I think there was a lot of stubbornness on my part, really. And it was almost a case of it was one of those things when you start a business. Um, if somebody asks you if you can do something, you say yes, and then you worry about it afterwards. Yeah. So um, it was 1999. There was obviously the, the kind of the web was starting to grow. I'd, I'd got a ve- bit of experience of that working with a graphic designer that I'd worked with previously. So people were coming to me and saying, can you do a brochure? Can you do a website? And I was just like, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of panicking and probably not charging enough money. And <laughs> But, you know, kind of got through that initial phase and, and started to get out and make contacts um you know had a fear of picking up the telephone but managed to overcome that and actually then going out to networking events and talking to people and then gradually over the time we started to build up our sort of uh, client base and 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 grew the team so
1: and how's the business evolved in that twenty year period? Because I imagine it's it's has it changed direction? I mean it's
2: yeah, it's changed it's changed massively. Obviously, you know, there's been personal changes because for a while it was myself and my ex-wife running it. Um we've kind of scaled up and scaled down. So for example, in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine when the, the credit crunch recession happened, in the in the lead up to that, we were working with loads of property companies, so like estate agents, commercial property companies developers planning consultants and pretty much overnight that work stopped so we had to scale down and kind of look at the work we're doing accordingly um and then we kind of up and to about um, 2015 we sort of scaled up to about 10 people we're working on some nice sort of big chunky projects um Probably a little bit too reliant on two or three of those contracts, which sort of all came to an end at the same time, um, which caused kind of like quite a big few ructions, both within the business and personally, and then sort of scaled down again. So over the last three or four years, I mean, it's been challenging, but we've completely looked at our model and our offering and, and tried to look at, well, you know, what have we got? What's our experience? What can we do to differentiate ourselves from the competition? How can we run a model as well that's not reliant on us having full-time employees? You know, how do we scale up and scale down based on projects? And so we've we've really sort of, uh, I guess, adapted to all those changes over the years that have happened. So where are
1: you now? What's what's your offering as we sit here today?
2: So I think we've we've done a lot of soul searching. I think over the last kind of three or four years that's myself and my office manager julie um and we've got a great bunch of of suppliers from designers programmers ux developers photographers who we work with on projects and so we we talk to them a lot and we've really looked at our offering and we've we've sort of i guess we've moved away from this traditional marketing agency approach you know there's a lot of really good marketing agencies in cornwall but you know as with um you know, the European funding we've had, there's created opportunities for people to start up their own businesses here. So there's a huge amount of competition going for, I guess, a kind of a finite amount of work in Cornwall. And so we've really looked at what we're doing and, um, you know, what what can we do to help people? And, and this has come down to looking at, I guess, what do, your, what do our clients, customers want? Let's look at the user needs and develop a plan based on that. So... UX in terms of a web build project, for example, looking at, you know, what are the kind of the main par- barriers or pain points that a customer has, you know, let's map out that process using a roll of paper and post-it notes and sharpies from when somebody makes an inquiry, first of all, to they actually pay the money, Right. map that step by step and then look at where those barriers are and then look at what we, we can do with our skills that we've dealt with in communications over that time. To you know, improve that flow. You know, so it's actually, uh, in the UX turn is create the happy path, basically. Okay. So the idea is that you make, make it easy for people to get the information they want. You put it on the right, the sort of right content on the right channel, at the right time for people, so that that transaction becomes a lot quicker, easier, more efficient. Um, and do you
1: th- do you think the the pressure's on for businesses? You know, one of the things I bang on about a lot on this podcast is making it as easy as possible for your customers to buy from you and, and, you know, identify and then remove, hopefully, those sales barriers. And have you noticed over time that there's much more pressure now on a company when it's interacting with its customers digitally to make sure that it is very easy for them to find their way around the website, make the transaction, all that sort of stuff, much more so than has, has our toleration, do you think, as a, as a consumer, you know, lowered? in terms of we're not prepared to hang around if we can't find something, we'll just
2: go off to another site or another place? I think so. Um, I think, you know, if people can't get the information they want immediately, then they get frustrated. And Mike, who does a lot of our UX work, uses this term cognitive load. So if something's not where somebody expects it should be on a website, as you would if you went onto Amazon or Uber or Airbnb, you know, those processes are so slick and easy yeah. to go through, Yeah. then it creates this little kind of like, moment I guess in your in your mind where you just go, Well, I can't get what I want, I'm gonna go and find something else. You know, so for example, we've been working with Blue Flame for about four years. And they had what I'd say as a very traditional website. It was very much like, you know, we've got a hundred staff and sixty vehicles and we've again for twenty five years and we've got this accreditation, that accreditation. And actually when we sat down with them and mapped out what the user needs were is it's my boiler's broken, I've got no heat and hot water, can you come and fix it? yeah and those are the questions you need to answer and when we rebuilt that website using that process and we we spent a long time we spent probably well over a year doing this site interviewing staff interviewing engineers you know getting feedback from customers and within a year of the site going live um you know, mobile views had gone up by two hundred and thirty-five percent. They'd had a seventy percent wow. increase in desktop views because people actually then able to go on and get that information that they needed. Yeah, to that's... fix a broken boiler or have a new boiler yeah. installed.
1: And that's very interesting, isn't it? You mentioned the likes of Amazon and Uber, but you know, we're all we're all used to that using their kind of sites. And the expectation, I guess, is that if we go on Blue Flame, as you mentioned it, we kind of expect the same interaction don't we the same smoothness of process i mean it, it must it's a big challenge isn't it for the smaller businesses to try and keep that user experience at that level
2: it is i think really the first step is understanding what their customers want and if you can actually answer those questions i think mm. one, of, one of the challenges i think we we'll always find with businesses there's a, there's a sense with with businesses where they will say we're the experts so we need to we need to broadcast what we do rather Mm. than actually less listen to our customers. Mm. So I think, you know, that is changing, but it's going to take time to change and it's going to take time to educate businesses and organizations actually, you know, people don't care if you've got, really, if you've got this accreditation or if, you know, one member of staff has been there for 25 years. They're nice little things to know. They just want to know that they can actually get on and do the thing that they want to do.
1: That's really interesting now, because when I work with people on, on presentations, you know, I say to them, you know, don't forget that none of you members of your audience are the slightest bit interested in you, or frankly, your company. What they're interested in is the difference you, your product, your service can make to them. Totally. So focus on them, not you. That's my kind of phrase, them not you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's very hard to, you know, sometimes to convince them that they don't need to spend the first five minutes. Um, and it's a bit like the homepage of a website, but I guess, banging on about themselves instead of thinking about what does the person in the audience, what does the person visiting my website actually want. So that sounds like a, and is that some is that a, a kind of strategy that you you're now using with your, your other customers as well?
2: Yeah, it is. So you know, we've done that with with um, a range of different organisations, from charities through to sort of commercial businesses. And really, the first step is is. You know, it's almost like forget the computers. It is just to have a big table, roller paper, post-it notes, sharpies, map out that journey from start to finish, and then, you know, using a post-it note, look at the user needs. So this is a, a tip that I picked up from a friend of mine who runs an organization called Content Design London. She actually um, she was the first head of content and government digital service and led the team that built gov.uk. So if you want to have a look at something whereby the customer has been totally put first, then gov.uk it is a great example but you just answer these questions you know as a as a as a say like as a homeowner i want my boiler fixed so that i can have heat and hot water and then you create all these user needs That's people know this because they go out and speak to their customers all the time you know they get feedback from their customers and it's just transferring that information down into post-it notes or a spreadsheet so you can look going right have we answered that question for those people if we haven't how do we go about doing it
1: yeah and and does your company do you, do you work in a particular sector at the
2: moment or with particular type of client it's um we still do a lot of work in the charge sector which we we've done um for a number from a number of years now we we actually do quite a lot of work within engineering as well and manufacturers um the whole kind of process of mapping it kind of fits in with what they do in terms of lean manufacturing so I guess from an education point of view, you can go and say to somebody like an MD of a manufacturing company, right, we're going to do this. And because they've probably done it by working with somebody like Southwest Manufacturing Association, for example, it's it's easier for them to understand what we're gonna do and what they're gonna get out of it. So, you know, we obviously we have changed and over the last kind of three or four years I've spent a lot of time going out and talking to people and explaining this process. And having lots of coffees with people, because there is this you know idea that well, I want a website doing yeah somebody in their bedroom can do it for five hundred quid, so I'm just gonna go with that, and it's still very much how how do you know my focus on how do you get people to really think about well you know is that gonna meet your customers' needs what are you gonna yeah. need and the and and tell you honest, there is gonna be more investment because it takes more time to do this. But actually the end result will be that you actually answer those customers' needs and therefore you will get more business from it.
1: Absolutely. And do you think the tide is turning in the way people perceive the need for that investment in a in a, in a, in a, in a you know, proper kind of organized way rather than, as you say, well, I met a bloke in a pub who could do it for 300 quid, you know?
2: Um, I would say... Probably yes and no. I think it depends what part of the country you're in okay. as well. Okay. So we're doing a lot of work in London at the moment and we deal with organisations through kind of another organisation we deal with. And, um, you know, they get it, they understand it, but they're probably the ones that have the, bu- the you know, they have bigger budgets to, to do this type of work. You know, we have got some brilliant clients in Cornwall who've worked with or, or, over the years who, you know, understand... How that works so you know for example even just smaller pieces of work so we we, we did a piece of work for a, for a care home company where we looked at actually we went through a whole ux process of just one page on their website around recruitment because there's a real shortage of nurses and a lot of competition as well for nurses so you know they went from sort of getting no applications through their website we, we looked at everything else in terms of SEO as well, what people are searching for and the sort of search terms. So, for, you know, they were very much like we want to promote nursing careers. We want to show that we're a good employer. So it's all about the word career. And and Jamie, who's our, our SEO expert, went away and did the research and went, well, actually only 2% of people are searching nursing careers. 98% of people are searching nursing jobs. So it's even then, uh, so let's use that language Yeah. because it's what people are searching for. And so since then, since we did that project for them, about a year, eighteen months ago, they've just they've had a constant stream of applications coming in, right. which is for them is great because that's a much more cost effective way than going out to say a recruitment agency. Sure,
1: yeah, yeah. So in a minute, Mark, I'm going to ask you for you know any top tips you might give to our listeners um, who will be a variety of business people uh, for 2020. But before I do that, you know how how do you sort of see your do you see the vision for, you know, for the next 20 years? You know, where are you, where are you going to be in 2040? forty? Are you going to be... I uh, oh, might know,
2: like to be retired. From <laughs> <my life. laughs>
1: but, but, you know, how, how do you see things evolving over the next few years in, in your kind of sector?
2: I would like to see, I guess, more organisations taking up this process of, of understanding user needs and the whole user experience. You know, we're doing a lot of work at the moment around accessibility, you know, and I think... the the stats vary it's either some say one in five some say one in six but in the uk the people will have accessibility issues which potentially are going to impact on them accessing information from a digital point of view so that's a huge you know market that people are potentially missing out from and actually alienating right you know the the um the wcag the wcag guidelines were were just updated in september to 2.1 and they're going to be enforce more in September next year but this affects mainly kind of public sector organisations local authorities NHS so their content has to fit in with these guidelines and you know there is talk of potential fines if, if they don't so it's sort of content design in terms of colour coding as well not being accessible and you know just have to look across to America where somebody who was completely blind took dominoes to court because they couldn't change um, uh, they could couldn't customise a topping on the pizza on the Domino's app. Took Domino's to court, won. Domino's then tried to counter-sue, lost. It actually ended up costing Domino's more in-court fees than it would have done to fix their problem. And in September this year, the, the Supreme Court ruled, in Los Angeles ruled that, um, you know, uh, it, it's mainly supporting people who are visually impaired or blind, that they can actually now sue companies in America if their websites aren't accessible. Ranking. So, you know, there's, for me, there's all this, well, actually, we need to try and look at how we can make it more inclusive.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a whole massive undertaking for a lot of companies.
2: Yeah. And I went to see some web testing in, in action uh, in Neath in October with the Shore Trust, which is a charity that actually employs people with disabilities to review websites for local authorities and they produce reports for them that basically give them pass or fail in each area. And then once they pass, then they actually then get accredited for 12 months through the charity. But we kind of sat down with somebody who was completely blind using a screen reader, which was probably one of the most stressful experiences I've ever had. Right. Because trying to do a task, it was was actually the way the website had been designed. It was virtually impossible for him to carry out this task he needed to do. Somebody as well who's, who's visually impaired and has to use a a zoom function on a website but if the site has like a rotating carousel or flashing colors it can actually cause him to have a seizure oh gosh um somebody who got motor issues with the left hand side of his body had no movement so he has to use a skip navigation on the keyboard so even things like color contrast between when you use the tab key showing up you know having no color contrast so you can't see where you're on the page and then somebody who's sort of profoundly deaf and he had two monitors: one looking at this local authority website, one with a with a pay-as-you-go sign language interpreter. So he was signing his problems with the website. She was translating back to us, and then vice versa. But he had to make a you know, the task he'd been given on this website was to get in touch with the council quickly, and the only option they were giving him was to phone. So right. there's wow. all these things, mm. and it kind of like really, it's quite mind blowing because you suddenly think. How can you actually do this? How can you make something that's fully inclusive to mm. people who've got you know either physical or motor or or, or mental issues
1: and and are local authorities are addressing this are they are they aware of it? do you think
2: uh, they are um my understanding is Cornwall Council are actually pretty good at this, so I've had some conversations with them, and I know people have checked their website and it seems very good from an accessibility point of view
1: okay so, so apart from making sure your website's accessible. Any other top tips you'd like to uh, just to round this interview up, Mark? Share with our listeners going into 2020. Very I, exciting start of a new decade and all that.
2: I think the main thing is probably start the year, have a bit of fun with a roll of paper and some post its, and and map out the pointless When somebody makes an initial inquiry to you, through to the point that that transaction is complete, whatever it is, map out every stage of that journey. It could even be parts. You know, you might not even be involved in that part of the journey. You know what steps will people take. You know one post-it note for each step, and then look at what the barriers are that you currently have in your processes that are stopping people moving on to the next point, and then look at how you can address that to actually suit your customers. And I guess the next thing is, I guess it's, it's feedback. Um, feedback, I think, is vitally important. know anyway, it's one of those things I think that people quite often don't like to hear feedback. Or they only like to hear positive feedback, mm-hmm. but actually, if it can help you improve a, a product or a service that you've developed, and actually, you know, if you if it, it's one of I guess it's one of those things. If you've got people who have been, I guess, say, overly critical, then actually invite them in, have a conversation with them, find out what would make better better for them, and almost turn them into a champion for you because you've listened. To them. You know, if it's feasible to do that, you know, obviously from a business point of view, but think mm. about your customers first.
1: I agree with that. I think often businesses overlook the fact that their customers can A, be great marketeers for them to shout about how great they are, mm. but B, as you say, a real great source of business development. Totally. Because ultimately they're the ones who are using the product or service and they know whether it really works or not and delivers what they
2: want. Yeah, because they might even come up with an idea for you for a brand new product or service that you've never thought about.
1: Yeah. It always amazes me that a lot of businesses develop ideas for new products and services sitting around a boardroom table and very rarely involve, A, their front-end people and, B, their customers. Because they think, oh, we've got great ideas, bound to work, bound to work, you know. But um, Okay, so totally. mapping out the stage of the journey, feedback from customers. Those are your top tips?
2: Yeah, and then I guess think about accessibility as well. Yeah, that's going to become key. Okay,
1: great stuff. Now, Mark, if if people listening to this think right, I need to get hold of this fella because he clearly knows
2: uh, what he's doing here,
1: and we need to get our bits sorted out. So, how? What's the best way of people to get in touch with you?
2: Um, you can visit our website, which is mpad.co.uk, and we still use the telephone as well, which is oh uh, one eight seven two three two one five double three.
1: So that's three, two, one, five, double three, uh, 1872 Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. And do you connect with people on LinkedIn and do that sort of stuff? Yeah,
2: I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page as well. Excellent. So,
1: okay. Well, Mark, terrific to have you on the show. Thank you very much indeed. That's been really, really useful. And uh, the best of luck with the next 20 years.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. The Sales and Presentation Podcast is a production of Trevor Lee Media. If your organisation needs to transform its sales activity and re-energise its sales team, or you need help with a key presentation or sales pitch, then please get in touch with Trevor via Trevor at trevorleemedia.co.uk or call him on 07785 390 717. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes or via your podcast app. Thank you.